You want me over here? Good morning. Welcome to Church Online. This is a strange world that we're living in these days, isn't it? Most of us are not used to doing church this way. Most of us are used to, obviously, getting in our car and uh, driving to the church and seeing a room full of people. And today I'm sitting in a room full of chairs. There's nobody here uh, except the people that are necessary to make this broadcast happen. But what we want today is to facilitate a worship experience where you can encounter still the living God, just as if you were in this building today. So we want to welcome you. If you're a regular member of our uh, CTC family, we want to extend a welcome to you. Uh, If you've never been to our church before, maybe you happened to cross our uh, feed on Sermon.net, on our website, on our Facebook page, and you've never been in our church doors before, we want to extend a special welcome to you. On the broadcast today, there are opportunities for you to sign in and uh, let us know that you're here uh, on our Facebook broadcast and also on our Sermon.net broadcast. uh, There's an opportunity for you to go in and it says click here to check in. Uh, You can fill out an online check in card. If you come to this building every week, uh, you know that that's what we do. Uh, We fill out our our weekly attendance card just so that we know that you're here and we have an opportunity uh, to stay in contact with you. We are all going through something at the very same time that is pretty much unprecedented uh, in our world. And there can be a lot of fear that's associated with that. I want to read a passage of scripture to you this morning. It's found in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. It says, do not be afraid, for I am with you. Do not be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. As we move through the next several weeks and as we do church online, uh, it might be a little bit different from the way that it looks when you're in this building. But we here at Christ the Cornerstone filter everything that we do through five specific steps. And I just want to take a couple of minutes and remind us of those steps and relate them to how we're going to be doing church over the next several weeks. First of all, we love God. That's the first thing we do. So we love God through our worship and Again, we normally come to this building to worship God, but over these next several weeks, we're going to be, even though we can't worship God in the same room, we can still encounter him. These services over the next several weeks will uh, consist of worship from our worship team, which we'll hear from in just a moment, uh, scripture and prayer, an opportunity for you to give and an offering, and of course, a message uh, from Pastor Roger, and then some way uh, that we can respond to that. The second thing we do is we connect with God's family. The primary means of pastoral ministry and pastoral support here at Christ the Cornerstone Church is our missional life group focus. So if you're already in a missional life group, we want to encourage you to stay in touch with the other folks that are in your life group. Call them, text them, give them a FaceTime call, some way that you can Uh, Stay in contact with them and let them know that you're thinking about them and praying for them. We are also in the process of setting up online missional life groups. You can check our Facebook page and find out information about how you can sign up for one of those. We also have a media uh, outlet that is uh, accessible to us. It's called Right Now Media, and you may or may not be familiar with it. Uh, But if you text the words right now, space CTCDE, to the number 41411, uh, then you'll get information about how you can set up an account through Christ the Cornerstone to Right Now Media. There are Bible studies. There are things for kids. There are things for grown-ups. There are things for all different ages, for families. And so we want to encourage you uh, to get involved in that. 
The third thing we do here is we find ways to serve. Now, the time that we're going through uh, in our world is, uh, as I said a moment ago, it's unprecedented. We've, we've never gone through this uh, in our lifetimes uh, anyway, all together. So maybe you have a neighbor or a family member or somebody who can't get out. Maybe you can do some shopping for them or find some way uh, that you can encourage them and minister to them. The fourth thing that we do here as a church is we tell our story. Now, sometimes stories help us to see the power of God alive in our lives. But sometimes a story just serves to take our minds off of a difficult time. And now there's a difficult time. Families are spending more time together. I've seen all kinds of thing on, things on Facebook. Moms, you're probably tired of cooking seven meals a week by now, aren't you? That's a lot of dishes to clean up. That's a lot of, of kids being around. It's a lot of husbands being around. Because I know myself that as a husband, I can get underfoot real quick. And so stories can help us to uh, relieve the tension of the moment and help us to uh, find ways to... Uh, relate to one another. The fifth thing that we do is we share our resources. And again, we're going to talk about this in just a few minutes when we come to our giving moment. Uh, But it's an important thing that we do here at Christ the Cornerstone is know that God has blessed us richly. And so we share that. uh, We share those things with people that are in need. Long before we ever have a problem, God already has the solution. And that's the same thing that we can relate to the situation that we're going through in the world that we're living in right now. Where we are is not a surprise to him. So we want to hear from you. Pastor Roger's notes, as always, are linked to um, uh, version. So if you go on the version Bible app and uh, search for us, you can find uh, the notes to today's and uh, the coming week's sermon. Uh, you'll see a note, uh, you'll see a, a message on your screen pretty much throughout the broadcast today for you to be able to text prayer requests or praise reports uh, or anything else that you might want to uh, let us know about. That number is 888-344-1022. And uh, so you can send us a prayer request. We'll have uh, folks monitoring that on our Facebook feed and on our Sermon.net live feed. You will also have an opportunity to comment. Uh, There'll be folks there to greet you, uh, answer questions that you might have, uh, give you a word of encouragement, uh, and just uh, uh, welcome you to a a part of the broadcast today. Here's one thing that I want to leave with you before we begin our worship service today, and that is God is in control. God is in control. He's got this, and he's got you. He's got all of us. Before we continue this morning, I just want to offer a brief prayer. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that we can gather in this way, even though we can't be all together in this building this morning. We thank you that we can gather in this way and still give you praise and honor and glory. And we can sit in our living rooms with our families and we can worship you or or uh, we can offer praise to you or we can lay our burdens before you, understanding that you know what we're going through and you know how to take care of it. And so, Lord, we give ourselves to you today and in the coming days. And, Lord, when we come out on the other side of this, we will give glory and honor to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning. We are glad to be here with you this morning. Let's worship the Lord together this morning.
Good morning, everyone. Good to see all of you here this morning. Thank you for joining us. I'm Pastor Roger Frederick. So I want to share this scripture with you as we begin from the book of 1 Peter, chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. It says, So humble yourselves under the almighty power of God, and at the right time He will lift you up with honor. Give all your worries and cares to God. Why? Because He cares about you. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we gather from wherever we are, perhaps around the world, those who trust in You, those who seek You, we gather here this morning. We thank You for the opportunity that we have to worship You. Holy Spirit, we ask You to come and be present in this place, in our homes, but more importantly, in our hearts. Help us to listen to you. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, right about now, we would normally be inviting ushers to come and uh, give you an opportunity to give. And uh, today is no different. Only our ushers are electronic uh, over the next several weeks. Uh, our primary uh, way of online giving is uh, by way of our website. And our website address for giving is www.ctcde.net forward slash give. You can go to that if uh, many of you uh, may be already using uh, that particular outlet for uh, giving your offering. And if you do, if you are already using that, we thank you. Here's what I want to talk to you about. Uh, a few minutes ago, we talked about sharing our resources and how important uh, that is. We see the faithfulness. Uh, we as a staff of Christ the Cornerstone and leadership see the faithfulness of God's people week after week after week as we look at uh, the record of giving. And God's people here are faithful. And as we move forward, here's what our opportunity is as the church. When we get through this, and we will get through this, there will, in our world, be more hurting people than ever before. And so we have an opportunity to keep the church financially strong. So here's what I want you to consider. I know that times might be tough. I know that you might be looking at reduced work hours, or maybe you're laid off, or maybe you've lost your job, and maybe you're in a difficult circumstance. I want those of us who are still able to keep that commitment to continue to do that. Not because we need to keep the lights on, not because we need to keep salaries paid, but on the other side of this, we want the church to be financially strong as a testimony to what God can do and what he will do and what he has already done in and through us as a church. If you need assistance, if you need us to help you, if you need us to pray with you through a situation, uh, we are here to do that. We want to encourage you, and we want to be there for you. But as we continue and as we move forward, we believe that it's important to keep those commitments. So as we prepare to give today, uh, we're going to pray a prayer in just a second, and then our team is going to lead us in another song. You can go to that website, uh, that, that uh, www.ctcde.net forward slash give. Uh, if you haven't already set up an account, you can do that. You can put in your bank information. Uh, it's very easy to do. You can set it up to do a one-time, or you can set it up to do a recurring. Uh, so let's pray uh, as we prepare to give this morning. Father, again, we thank you and we glorify you for who you are, uh, for the ways that you've blessed us. And God, we just pray that uh, in these days, that, that uh, as we look at uh, the situations in our lives, that, uh, God, you would just continue to be in control, that you would continue to uh, lead us, to lead our families. And, God, we just pray that you would watch over us and bring strength to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you.
that is our prayer today, that you would come and move in this place, that your anointing would rest on our pastor as he brings the message, Lord, that your spirit would rest on those who are watching, and Lord, today, whatever we're struggling with, wherever we are, whatever we're going through, to know, Lord, that you are in control, that you have got us in the palm of your hand, and yet you will not let us go, you will never leave us, you will never forsake us. But God, today, you are with us. And so, Lord, today, we, again, ask for your anointing on our pastor as he brings the message to us and our hearts as we receive it. In Jesus' precious name, amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor Bill. Jonah floating down the uh, in that water once again. Uh, in the past week, I think we've all come to get to get to know Jonah a little bit better. He was locked down in the belly of that fish for 72 hours, but our families have been locked down in their homes for more than a week. <laughs> so I think that we've all been able to relate relate to Jonah's confinement a little bit better.
This past week during our, our school time, our nursery school that we have here, I asked a group of children to tell me what they thought it would be like to be in the belly of the fish. I got all kinds of great answers, things like smelly, dark, wet, slimy, gooey, sticky. And then one brave child said what everybody was thinking but was afraid to say, throw up. (laughs) For the next ten minutes, I had to give each child a turn telling me the story of when they threw up. I up on mama's toes. I had it all in my hair. Gross, right? No fun. Yuck. Jonah didn't do what God told him to do. And his choice landed him in a heap of trouble. And with all that mess, it's no wonder that Jonah cried out to God, just as our children cry out for help when they throw up. Yuck. Last week, we looked at chapter 2 of the book of Jonah. And in chapter 2, it is the story, part of the story where Jonah is in the belly of the fish. He's inside all of that and how gross that is. And we ended it with, with Jonah being spit back up on the shore, God causing that fish to spit Jonah back up on the shore. And then God said to Jonah, Hey, Jonah, let's try that again. So today I want us to read chapter three in the book of Jonah. And it's only 10 verses. And if you're able to read along with me, your own Bible, or if you're on the YouVersion Bible app, uh, you can see it there for you. I encourage you to go there uh, online so that you can follow along with the message. And there's a spot on the YouVersion app where you can make your own notes and keep them Uh, for your reflection and uplifting afterwards. So let's turn to chapter 3 of the book of Jonah and uh, listen to that. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message that I have given you. This time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command And went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. And on the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, Forty days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message. From the greatest to the least. And they declared a fast and put on burlap. To show their sorrow. And when the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes. He dressed himself in burlap and sat in a heap of ashes. And then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one. Not even the animals from your herds and flocks may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. Now, when God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and he did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Good news for us from the word of God. We thank God for that. God gives us a second chance. In the text, we see that God certainly gave Jonah a second chance. I love God says, let's try that again. You've been in times in your life when somebody has given you a second chance and said, how about we try that again? Old language is a do-over. 
Let's have a do-over. I thank God for the times that my employers, that people in the churches that I've been pastoring, I can think many times when I have made mistakes as a pastor and people have given me a second and a third and a fourth and a fifth chance. Thank you, God, that you give us second chances. Two times God had to say to Jonah his instructions very clearly. Get up. Get up. (laughs) We think about what that means. I think, uh, you know, Jonah was told to get up twice in throughout the story. The first time he was told to get up was at the beginning of it when he uh, he was cowering down in, in the in the hold of the ship. And he, all the other sailors were up. They were praying to their gods, but Jonah had fallen asleep. He had fallen asleep. I think that's a significant phrase in this passage. Jonah had fallen asleep down in the hold of the ship. Everybody else was calling out to their god. The captain of the ship had to come down to Jonah, kick him, and say, Get up and cry out to your god. Everybody else is doing that, and their gods are not working. You got to call out to your God. And Jonah was told to get up. And again, after Jonah is, he gets up and he's thrown overboard and he goes into the sea. I made this realization uh, this week as I was studying this again. That when it says get up. In the original languages, that is also a word that is used to, to, to proclaim somebody who has been sick. Or even dead. To be resurrected. And in the original language, this word get up means be resurrected. Allow God to once again breathe life back into you. And and I realize, and as we humans think about Jonah being in the whale, in this fish for 72 hours. He was dead. Jonah was dead. And even though I asked the children, can you imagine what it would feel like to be alive in this fish? And we made all those descriptions. Jonah was dead. And I thought of those movies that we probably all have seen where somebody is in a shipwreck or they drown and they're washed up on a shore on, a, on an abandoned island or a, 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 an island someplace. And they're laying on the beach. And all of a sudden they gasp and they cough up the water and they realize they're alive. And I wonder if that's because God has said, get up. Sometimes in our own lives, we feel that what we've gone through has killed us. And God is giving us a second chance, whether it's our own choice, because of our own choices or because of somebody else's choices. We feel like our life is done. And God is calling out to us. Get up. Get up. And this this verb is passive Which means somebody else has got to give you the energy to get up. And that is God saying to Jonah, let me lift you up. Get up. Awake, Jonah. Think of Jonah as the lazy prophet. He doesn't want to do what God is telling him to do. But God says, wake up. (laughs) Get up. And then God says, go. I've got something for you to do. God says, go. And what I want you to do is proclaim. I'm amazed in, the, in, in John chapter 1 verse 16, we're reminded that from his abundance, from God's abundance, from Christ's abundance, we all have received one gracious blessing after another. Grace upon grace, God's second chance God gives to us. It's the first thing that Jonah does In this story is he gets up. The second thing that Jonah does in this that we see is that he obeys this time. I love it. This time he obeys God. As Jonah returns, I say returns to God, he turns toward God, but it's really a return. And that's what the word repent means. As he turns back to God. He changes his behavior. Let's see if we can do that differently this time. Let's do it again. When we come back to God, we do so with a willingness to listen to God this time. 
and to do as God leads us. And we commit ourselves to follow him. That's what Jonah did. It's almost as if Jonah remembered what he had experienced for three days. He was dead. And I've talked with people who have had near-life experiences. And they, can, and, and they can describe what it was like when they died. And I think chapter 2 of Jonah is Jonah giving us his near-death experience. And his prayer that he made to God. And then he goes, in chapter 3, he's back on the shore. And he says, I'm not going back in that fish, God. God gives him a second chance and he says, I'm not going back in that fish. I'm not going to do that again. It reminded me, uh, back in 2018, our youth group from our church went to Haiti. And while we were in Haiti, uh, the political situation erupted in Haiti. and, And we couldn't get back to the airport. And we were one of those groups, and it was on national news here in the United States even. And uh, our, I, had, I had 20 people, 15 teenagers and five adults in, in the group. And we were stuck in Haiti for an extra four days. We were locked down for four days in our little compound, in our, in our house uh, with the missionaries. We couldn't get out. We could not get to the airport. The roads were blocked. There were, there were uh, tires and all kinds of vehicles set on fire several places between the, uh, us and the airport, and we were locked down. We couldn't get there. Finally, four days later, uh, we, got, we, we were able to get to the airport, get a flight out. We had left, many of us left half of or more of our luggage in Haiti so that we could get out through the airports more quickly. And we came back. We flew into Philadelphia, and there was a group of people there receiving us ready to be with us. And it was a great celebration. We got all the, all the youth and everybody back in their homes. And I turned to Daniel Carroll, our youth director, and the other adults that were with us. And I said, Daniel, that was a lot of fun. Let's never do that again. <laughs> Jordan said, I'm not going back there. I'm not going to do that again. I remember once that when I was a teenager, probably 15 years old, working on the farm with my father. It was on Sunday mornings. It was me and dad doing the chores together. This was in the middle of the winter. We'd had sub-zero temperatures for, for weeks already. The ground was frozen. Snow was packed down. The driveway in the area between our barns was ice. And it was Sunday morning, and Dad and I were, he, Dad was milking the cows, and it was my job to feed the cows while he milked them. I was driving this six-ton tractor, followed by a, probably a four-ton wagon with the food on it, and I was in a hurry, and I was cold, and I really, I, I didn't have a good attitude as a teenager. I didn't want to be here. I didn't want to do this. And I had to come around again and load the wagon. I had fed some of our cows, and I had to I'd fill it up again and feed some other cows, and I was driving towards one of our barns, and I needed to make a 90-degree turn to the right, and I was in a hurry because we, we wanted to get to church, and I was in a bad mood. And I gunned that tractor, and I'm going across this icy driveway, and I turned my front wheels, and the tractor didn't turn a bit. And I'm coming closer and closer to the, to the barn, and I'm thinking, I have no control over this 10-ton piece of machinery that I'm driving, and I smashed right into the corner of the barn. It was a pole barn, and I watched probably a four or six foot chunk of the corner post sail through the air and across the driveway. I was ready for this roof to fall down like this, but fortunately the barn was built such a way that there was a lot of other support for it, and it didn't do that. And I just watched the tractor go right through this barn in this way. And I thought to myself, Roger, what have you done this time? <laughs> and I remember going, Dad was in the, in the milking barn, and I went in there and told him what I had done. And I had, I, I, I'd realized that I had done a really stupid thing. And uh, tears in my eyes, and, and, and I thought, how do I tell my father that I've just crashed? The... <laughs> it was horrible. I don't want to do that again. It was one of those times when I realized that I've done something really stupid and things could have gone really badly. Fortunately, I didn't get hurt. The tractor was still working, but there's this big chunk missing out of the corner of the barn. I needed a do-over. 
And I didn't want to go there again. Jonah said, I'm not going there again. He turned around. He changed his behavior just like I changed my behavior and I drove the tractor properly (laughs) this time and I got the job done. Jonah set out to go to Nineveh. And he surrendered himself to God's plan for his life. Because Jonah turned back toward God, the people of Nineveh were also able to hear and respond to God. And Nineveh turned back to God also. They believed God's message through Jonah. Not only, it doesn't say just some of the people, it says everyone in Nineveh believed it. From the greatest to the least, the entire society turned back to God. They proclaimed a fast. They wore burlap clothing, sackcloth. Some of us will remember the I Love Lucy shows and that episode where where Ricky was on tour in Europe and they were in Paris and Lucy and Ethel wanted the haute couture dresses. And they heard that the latest fashion was burlap, but they knew that Fred and Ricky were not going to buy the, the expensive dresses. So they went out and got some potato sacks and they made their own dresses. <laughs> Out of burlap. Great episode. The people of Nineveh did what was mourning. They, they mourned for their sins before God. And they turned toward God. All of them. When the king heard about it, the king decreed a fast to all people. And remember what he said. It says, no, no one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks may eat or drink anything at all. That's a fast. That's desperation. That's saying, I'm not going back there. I'm going to follow the way that God has for me. And in these last Ten days these last weeks as we have watched our own governments realize what this virus is, the potential of it and what it can do. They have called for drastic measures for us. And from the top to the bottom of our governments, they're telling us, take care of each other. Don't do this. This is a dangerous thing. And we've got to choose to listen to them. And that's not easy to do. But I couldn't help but make the parallel between a society even back then when the leadership was saying, do this together. And our governments are telling us to do this together. Not because they're seeking power, but because there's a greater power at work that we need to work together for. It says they must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Stop the violence. Don't hoard, share, give, be generous, follow God's ways. To the Ninevites, God, they said, perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. They all believed it. They proclaimed the fast. And God saw what they had done. And he changed his mind. I think the question that this begs for us is, is Corona Jonah? (laughs) Is Corona a Jonah to us? Is God punishing people with this? Well, certainly this is a wake-up call to us about how we can work together, how we are taking care of ourselves, what we are doing, and, how, and how, how this natural system that God has created and the destruction that it can have on itself is dangerous for us. I'm not convinced that that's the most important question to ask, is God punishing people? But I think what is important is how we respond to this. And that we turn to God and that we hear God. It is a wake-up call for us. 
It is a reminder that God does love us just as God is showing mercy and kindness not only to the Ninevites but also to Jonah. He saved Jonah back in chapter 2. He says, Jonah says, God plucked me, reached in and pulled me out of death. God loves us. God has ultimately come to us in the person of Jesus Christ who died on the cross to forgive us for all of our sins, for all of our wrongdoings, for that, for that tendency that we human beings have for continually turning away from God and his power. Jesus died on the cross to forgive us our sinfulness. Jesus rose from the dead. He lives again, proving God's power over death. And Jesus promises to give us new life now and forever. Forever with him. Simply by trusting in him. Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save it. God sent Jonah to save Nineveh. Not to condemn it. God's plan was not to destroy Nineveh. God's plan was always to save Nineveh. And the reason Jonah refused to go at first was because Jonah did not want the Ninevites to be saved. Who in your life do you not want to be saved? Is there somebody? But but God is still proclaiming his love for that person. God sent Jonah to save Nineveh from destruction. And God sent Jesus to grab us from the clutches of Of sin and death. Not because he wants to destroy us. But precisely because he he loves us and he wants to save us. God has a plan for your life. For God so loved the world. He loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And, and we must remember the verse that comes right after that one that, that many of us have memorized that in, in sports stadiums. There are signs that hold up the, the reference to John 3.16, which I just said. But let's not forget John 3.17, which says God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. I'll give you something to think about this morning. Do you need a wake-up call? Let me ask you, how would you describe your relationship with God? Is it one of peacefulness? Is it one of turning to God and trusting Him? Or is it one of running away from God? Having some kind of sense that I'm not doing what God wants me to do and I don't care to do that. Let me give you some things to do this morning. I invite you to take some time to think about these questions, to think about this situation. I've avoided the question, answering the question, is God punishing us? I'll let that, I'll leave that to God. But I do know that God desires to save us, that God desires to heal us, God desires to love us. I believe that the Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I invite you to trust in him. If you've never trusted in Christ, turn around and trust in Jesus. Maybe you need to write some things down. If you're watching on the U version, there's a spot there where you can make Make some comments and maybe you need to answer the question, do you trust in Jesus so that you will follow him all your days? Do you have a sense in your own heart that, God, that your sins are forgiven? Ask Jesus to forgive you. He has already. And then live as a forgiven person in your life. Jonah followed God's pattern. So maybe some of us have been following 
we think we've been following God for a while, but we know God's asking us to do something. We're running from it. Maybe it's time to turn around and say, God, I will do what you ask me to do. I have not wanted to tell others about the good news of Jesus. I have not wanted to help this person. I have not wanted to support this person who's suffering from racism or sexism or whatever that ism might be. Maybe God is calling us to be more compassionate and understanding to all people. What is God asking you to do? You're on Facebook. We're on Facebook. Write a comment about what you decide to do. Maybe you want to send one of us a, a message through Facebook, or you call the church and you want to talk and pray with somebody. There are people at the church waiting to talk with you right now. They'd be glad to talk with you. Comment through the web page. We've got people who are ready to pray with you and talk with you. Tell us about your decision to trust Jesus, to follow God. We want to love you, show you God's love, and we want to encourage you and help you grow in your faith. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for your word which shows us. We thank you that even in the book of Jonah, this word from the Old Testament, one of the oldest books of the of the Bible, ancient, and we look at it and we say, well, Jonah was in the belly of the fish. How could he tell us what it was like? And even if he was, as I said, he was dead. But you brought him back to life. He had some recollection of his, his experience with you. Help us trust that. Help us trust you, Jesus, and to love you. Help us, God, to think about these things. Help us be generous to our neighbors. Help us reach out as safely as we can to encourage and help and bind together as a nation to follow you in everything that we do. We pray for your healing. We pray for your breath to blow across this nation and sweep clean the air. Kill the virus that we call Corona and save us. Not just us in the United States, but all your people around the world. You love all people. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing our prayer and being with us today. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you for being with us this morning. God bless you.
great I am. 